and the Holy Spirit, he is the Spirit of God, the Spirit of Christ. He is the, mm-hmm. the Spirit of holiness. We have him and we are called holy because of him, not because of all the good things we do. Yeah. I just, um, I see so much damage taking place when people don't understand yeah. that. Yeah. And, and that damage actually affects the lives of people that I care about and love. Because I've been worried about yourself. Why you still be doubting you got a soul? Like you need to see to believe these things. But you believe things that you've never seen. Like feelings and hopes and dreams. The future emotions and gravity. And sadly, everything you're rejecting makes this whole life a tragedy. And I got something to say. I got something to say. I got something to say. To Welcome the to the Milk and Me podcast. I'm Andrew and I got my brothers with me. LJ. Aldo. And this is part two to the episode on the Holy Spirit. Uh, part of the Trinity series. So if you haven't checked part one out, please go back, check that one. And this is a continuation of that same conversation. God bless. The idea that that you are not saved until you do this, you yeah. know, until you speak in tongues or until the Holy Spirit comes upon you. It just doesn't make sense to me anymore. It's like, because we understand now that it's the moment that you are given faith, that the grace, the grace of, of God comes upon you. Like you are saved in that moment. The idea, like, one of the things that, that really broke me when I was coming into into this r- real, uh, true understanding um, was, like, wh- why did I even, like, get baptized if I wasn't going to be saved until I spoke in a tongue? Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And that that was, like, really hard for me to, to overcome and to, like, really understand. Um, and I just, I, I can't see it that way anymore. Like, I understand now that, so, like, the question is, when do you receive the Holy Spirit? It's when you believe. Exactly. Mm-hmm. When you believe. And the evidence will show. Yeah. And if and the evidence doesn't show. it's not the evidence show, of tongues. Yeah. 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 And if the evidence doesn't show, you get to examine yourself and say, are you in the faith? That's why Paul said, examine mm-hmm. yourself. Yes. Yeah. He did not say, get into your prayer closet and get them languages going. Right. He didn't say that. He didn't didn't say say go out and minister and see if you're effective. He didn't say go and get a mic and see if you can preach the gospel in a way that other people amen and get excited about. He didn't say any of that. He said, examine yourself. And how do you examine yourself? Read the word and see what the word expects out of you as a Christian. And if you do not fall in line, then repent and come to Christ. If you do fall in line, then repent and continue to come to Christ. Like (laughs) there's sin to repent of on every single day. Yeah. Uh, I I just want to get off what you were saying. First Corinthians 12, 7 to 12. Uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 7 and 12 says, But to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, for the common good. So the, the, the manifestation, the evidence, the outworkings of the Holy Spirit in you is given to each one, not to every single one the same thing. It just says to each one for the common good. That's never for you. That's for the, the public. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit. So to each one is given some sort of manifestation. We have to look at that. Right. Some sort of manifestation. And that's why it says, to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit. To another, the word of knowledge. Like it's showing not everyone has the same gifts, and some people will only have one gift that differs completely from another gift. Mm -hmm. The problem is, for hypercharismatics, is that gift of speaking in tongues is one of those gifts that is given to one and not the other. You can't make that change. Mm-hmm. You can't tell God, God, give me tongues. I need that. You need to humble yourself before the yep. living God. Who do you yep. think you are? You think you know what he needs you to minister with? What if your sin and you crawling out of it by his grace is what he's going to use? The embarrassing sin that you fail at is going to be the ministry that he uses for you to confess and realize how broken you are and how much God really did grace you with that forgiveness so you can speak to a world that is still broken in that way. What if the embarrassing thing about your life is your ministry? 
Mm. Not the praiseworthy part. Like, who are we to tell God, you need to give me this. I need this as my evidence. It's like, I don't think any evidence is going to work for someone if they think that this evidence will. Yeah. If you don't already have the Holy Spirit in you crying out, Abba, Father, mm. if you don't have that relationship where you know in your heart, soul, and mind, by the grace of God, Father, I know I have peace with God. Not a peaceful feeling. I know I have peace because I've been reconciled. My sins have been forgiven. Christ's bloody cross is my only hope. Like, if you don't have that, no, no experience in prayers going to solidly keep you. If, you're, if your faith is not in what he's done, it's what you're doing, that's that idolatry right there. So for to one is given the word of wisdom through the spirit, to another the word of knowledge according to the same spirit, to another faith by the same spirit, and to another gifts of healings by the one spirit, and to another the effecting of miracles, and to another prophesy, prophecy, and to another the distinguishing or discerning of spirits, to another various or in some versions it's not various kinds of tongues or languages and to another the interpretation of tongues or languages but one and the same spirit works all these things distributing to each one individually just as he the holy spirit wills he's the one that's willing he's the one that's doing all of this mm -hmm. he's the one that's effectively choosing who to gift what for what we don't know who we're going to meet Mm -hmm. We don't know what ministry gifts we need, what strengths we need. What if you need more interpretation skills because you're going to be the one translating between, like when you and me go out, we yeah. sometimes encounter someone, I got something to say, and you translate. That person gets fed Amen. in two languages. Yeah, That's a gift. There's some people that know Spanish and English, but they just can't interpret. They just can't function to do that. It's just, it, just, it just overwhelms them. I know those people. They're, they're fine in Spanish. They're great in English. But they just can't do the whole keeping up with another person translating. It's, just, it's a gifting mm -hmm. or it's a strength, whatever you want to call it. But it's a gifting. So when we look at it and say, man, I need to have this. Like the Bible says you don't. And the Bible says you won't necessarily. Yeah. And the Bible also says this is not for you. Mm -hmm. This is for the church. This is for the common good. And this is by his will. We're not going to change his mind. We're not going to tell him, God, you made a mistake. You should have given me this gift. But if I'm more faithful, maybe you'll give it to me. It's like, what are you, what are you talking about? Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Well, see, the contradictory thing as well is uh, me growing up, I always had the question, can, can one person have all the gifts? Mm -hmm. But obviously we just read the scriptures clearly states to one, there's this gift, one to this gift. So in, in reference to your question about the tongues, what do we just clearly say? Somebody has it and somebody else doesn't. It's not a different tongue. It's the same thing across the board. If somebody has a gift of tongues, it's across the board. And if we look at the at the specific use, and I know I don't want to go too much because we're not this is this is the work of the Holy Ghost, but it's since we're touching on it, Acts two, they were speaking in different languages. So just to just to bring that up, you know, going back to what you were saying, <clears throat> that a lot of people automatically connect tongues to the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And obviously there's a reason, there's a biblical reason why. But the the wrong understanding is that everybody across the board has to speak in tongues or you don't have the Holy Ghost. It's that false and the scripture never ever yeah. says, if you have the Holy Ghost, you will speak in tongues. Or if you don't speak in tongues, you don't have the Holy Ghost. You can't find that in the Word of God. Mm -hmm. It doesn't exist. It is it is more of a prideful practice. That if you don't have it, because yeah. according to 
whether it be an organization or a, a movement, because there's various movements. There's even charismatic movements that, that practice the same thing that are not in the ones that we came out of. Mm-hmm. Right. They'll even say, you're not speaking in tongues, um, so you don't have the Spirit of God, or you're cold, or the fire of the Holy Ghost is, is down very dim, and you're holding the... There's times in my life where I feel horrible, and I know that I'm filled with the Spirit. There's mm-hmm. times where in my life where I just feel conviction that is so strong because of, of my sin or pride or whatever I'm going through at that moment. But I'm filled with the Holy Spirit. I mean, it, it, one of the words that we talked about before the podcast was anointing. Yeah, People connect anointing. There's an Old Testament anointing where somebody would anoint a person with oil and do that practice. It's very different in the church age. Mm-hmm. We have the anointing of the Holy Spirit once we believe because it doesn't come by what we've done. It comes by what God does. Just as, just as, as how we receive salvation— it's nothing that we could do, and that, that's why Jesus gives that example to um, Nicodemus, that just as you have nothing to do with your own natural birth, you have nothing to do with mm-hmm. your spiritual birth either. Mm-hmm. And so that's the same thing, going back to the aspect, the gifts are given by the Spirit, the, uh, the work of the Holy Spirit is to um, regenerate us, to make us new, um, it's, it's for us to become clean, not by our own works, but by the Spirit. And so all of these things that are additives that you must speak in tongues and you must do this and you must do that. Number one, we don't control God. Exactly. And this is where people have either a low view of the Holy Spirit or they have a biblical view of the Holy Spirit. And if they think that they can control the Holy Spirit by their decrees, their commands, their de- declarations, or if they think that they can, that the Holy Spirit is just some type of impersonable force, they have a non-biblical low an almost blasphemous view of the Holy Spirit, which I would say it is blasphemous. Yeah. But when you are when you have a biblical view of the Holy Spirit, number one, you know that He is God. He is God. And also you understand that because He is God, you don't control Him. He comes into our lives because it's through the Father and the Spirit who send Him. He dwells in us and they abide in us. Mm-hmm. It, it's, it, and that's the problem, is when you come and you diminish the Holy Spirit to a gift mm-hmm. or to a force, that's not the Holy Spirit. Yeah, yeah. And you need to begin to ask yourself that question. Do I really know who the Holy Spirit is? And do I really have the Holy Spirit? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And how, yeah. How humbling is that though? How, how To have a right view on who the Holy Spirit is, it should really bring us down. Because mm-hmm. a lot of it, me, I'm guilty of controlling or telling the holy spirit what to do who to heal to heal me to fill me to fill her to fill him like when you understand who the holy spirit is it it, for me it brought me down and i submit to him even with with all the negative stuff that happens in my life you know i'm sick or i have a, a health condition whatever it is with that i still come to Christ and, and I'll ask, I'll ask for God to help me, to heal me or whatever, but it's, I'm, it's not in a manner, in a way of, uh, you have to heal me now, but rather yeah. a pleading. It, it's rather, uh, me humbling myself, coming before him and, and, and pleading with him. You know, the, the only time that we're, uh, permitted or taught to, to be bold towards God mm-hmm. it is not in opposition but it's in agreement to the fact that we have mercy and grace with them. Boldly yeah. approach the, the, the throne, throne of grace. Of grace that we go. Thank you. I was going to say mercy. I was like, is it mercy and grace? <laughs> Boldly approach the throne of grace because yeah. as a Christian, not, an, not a non-Christian, non-Christian needs to humbly approach the, the bloody cross of Jesus, recognizing yeah. that that's their only hope. 
but boldly approaching the throne of grace. We can't boldly uh, make demands on God or make promises, like putting words in his mouth, right. saying he will heal. It's like, what if he doesn't? Now, is God a liar or are you weak or is that person weak in faith? Which one is it? Because Jesus, you know, he didn't need the faith of a dead person to raise him from the dead. Right. You know, he just doesn't need that. He also didn't need the successful faith of a father that didn't even know if he had enough faith. The father said, you know, help me in my unbelief. I believe, but I don't know if I believe enough. Like, that was an honesty. That's good. Like, he didn't need the faith of a demoniac that didn't want to be cast out because when that <laughs> some of these demoniacs yeah. were on the ground, they were saying, get away from me. Like, he didn't need their faith. Like, there was there was so few people or instances where someone actually agreed with Jesus saying, yes, I believe you can. Like, there was few in comparison to all the incredible healings, the raising of the dead son yeah. to the widow mother, the raising, like... He didn't need other people's faith. So the Holy Spirit, he is working even despite our own inadequacies, our own failures. But some people think we really need to help the helper mm-hmm. or that the, the helper is just a help. It's like, like the man that was lame for 38 years. Yeah. He didn't have faith. Yeah, He didn't. He thought that Jesus was going to help him go into the pool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> He's like, are you going to take me in? <laughs> like, he didn't say, are you going to heal me? Are you kidding? Like, why would he say that to a random person that walked up to him? But Jesus had bigger plans on that day and shown mm-hmm. that, hey, I'm... I'm here, even when you believe in idols, I'm here to show you the living God. Like, a right biblical understanding of the Holy Spirit will transform your life. Absolutely. Because it'll, it'll lead you from pride and, and heresy to yes. humility and to walk in correctly the power of the Holy Spirit, the power to live a Christian, disciplined, uh, God-honoring, Christ-exalting life. You also see your pride a lot more, too. Yeah, you yeah. get embarrassed more. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Well, especially, um, you know, with the experience that we've had. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. it was very interesting. Uh, I was I was looking at uh, a YouTube channel that I like to watch, and they were talking about the Brownsville um, mm-hmm. revival. Yeah, I wouldn't call um, that. <clears throat> I think it was Pensacola, Florida. I wouldn't, that, I wouldn't call that a revival. <laughs> yeah, it was back in the '90s, um, and and just you know just the simply misinterpretation, misunderstanding of the movement of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. You know, and you have uh, it's it's in Spanish. There's this there's this saying called pena ajena, which mm-hmm. simply means that. You you yeah, are like embarrassed for others and you yeah. want to hide yourself in the sand, mm-hmm. you know. And kind of like I look at those videos and you have you know preachers coming down into the altar calls and they're just they're just screaming now Jesus now Jesus yeah fire fire now Jesus now touch him Lord touch him like all those like fra- that phraseology that's that's the lack of understanding that's a low biblical view when you have the ability and I'd say even sometimes the audacity to say now Lord. Now, Lord, touch him, Lord. Now, Jesus, do you understand what you're saying? You're commanding God to do something because you're you want that to happen. Didn't yeah. Jesus tell us not to be repetitive in our prayers too? Oh, yeah. of course, of course. Well, we know that. I yeah. mean, well, they're, they're they're making themselves out to be like a new Ezekiel, right? Yeah, like he's a prophet of God and he had a certain role. We don't have that, or even role. the apostles. We don't have that role, yeah. right? That role that that role doesn't exist. And some people yeah. will argue and say, "Well, how if the church is continuing, we 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 need to continue to have a found- you do have a foundation. If Jesus yeah. Christ is your true foundation, right. it's set once and that's it." And when they brought, you know, when the prophet Ezekiel brought down fire, it was to destroy something. Mm-hmm. It was not to firefully bless it. Like, we're not talking about that. The fire that Jesus is talking about is baptism, uh, saying, you know, he, he will baptize with the Spirit and with fire. It later says in, in, in judgment, in judgment. pertaining and, to the fire. So. And you could, you could even also say, because it, uh, there is an aspect of cleaning in judgment. Yeah. It's, it's purifying and it's cleaning. 
you but could, the person gets swept away. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, well, that's what it is. That's what would happen. If you look at the Old Testament, what happened um, during Moses, there was a hole literally opened up in the ground, and those that didn't follow Moses, they fell into what some people will say, a hell. But, it, it, I mean, we look at the aspect of, of uh, especially when, um, I think it's Cor- uh, Corinthians, whenever Paul goes back to the Old Testament, to say to use that um, that scripture in Isaiah about uh, that they will speak uh, gibberish or they mm-hmm. will their their lips will stammer, it, it's a judgment on them. Yeah. It's a judgment, and, and that's and, in the same chapters talking about spiritual gifts yeah. and the misuse of tongues. Yeah. yeah, and and that's just and that's simply what it means. But kind of going back to those phraseologies and when when you have a wrong view of the Holy Spirit, which there's a lot of people that do today, unfortunately, because people portray to be Christian or have Christian doctrine just because the Bible's in. I mean. That that Bible, if Andrew, if you wouldn't have told me that was the Jehovah's Witness Bible, unless I mean, of course, if I would have read, it, I would have taken. To me, it looks like a regular Bible, yeah. Yeah. you know. And so, when you don't understand according to Scripture, this is why Scripture is so important. Uh, going through the study of the Word of God, as we said, uh, some episodes, you know, if you just read the Word, it's very clear. Yeah. yeah. But because people don't read it, or they read it and they don't like it, or they read it and it doesn't fall under. Bishop so and so or founder so and so's interpretation, then it's not that way. It's like one time I heard an example um, from a a leader of a movement. Um, he said that he went to go visit a church of his, uh, and uh, Matthew twenty eight nineteen. So the church had an entrance, right, and they had a Bible open. You know, it's like some churches they'll have that as 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 um, uh, design or just for for view, right, to to kind of show hey the Bible we preach the Bible here, right. He went up, he was visiting that church in his movement, and they had Matthew 28, 19 blacked out in Sharpie. Wow. <laughs> they had it blacked out in Sharpie because it said, in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, in the name of the Holy Spirit. And they didn't want the church to get confused about the Trinity. They wanted to keep one. So they went that far wow. to black it out with Sharpie. Uh, and I, I heard this with my own ears. I heard, <laughs> but, but this is the thing. The people, they have, they go off their experience yeah, we're experiential. We are. We we have a living God. The Holy Spirit's alive. Our God is alive. We believe in in the miraculous power of God. Amen. But the issue is is when you get off of what the scriptures are saying, there is an order and a command to how God does His own works. We don't control the Holy Spirit. We don't do the things that we want to do. We don't make the Holy Spirit do. He is 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 He is God. I mean, I I know that sounds repetitive. But that's just a simple truth. He is God. And so when we, uh, just like the example that I give you, when we don't read off the Word of God, we will make up our own things to justify it. We will say, well, I had this feeling. I had this experience. I said again, we're experiential. But if you have an experience, take it back to the Word of God. Because now you have movements that say that they saw Jesus in a vision, and Jesus was sitting with them in the park. Or Jesus was... uh, a homeless man, and he began to talk to more. Jesus was whatever the thing is. And, and and the problem with this is that we don't go back to the Word. And today we're going into the Word, and the Word says that the Holy Spirit is a person, and the Word says that the Holy Spirit is God, and the Word says that the Holy Spirit grieves, and the Word says that the Holy Spirit intercedes for us. And, I mean, I, I it's so clear, but obviously we know, if it doesn't come from God, just like Jesus says, nobody can come to me unless it's the Father that draws him mm-hmm. to me. If it's yeah. not from the by the grace of God, which I hope that we're a blessing to somebody with this podcast. Yes. But if it if it doesn't come by the grace of God, 
you're not going to understand. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just like the person that wrote the the passion translation. Oh jeez. It's not a translation. I'm glad they took it off the Bible app. Yeah. Well, they wrote a they wrote their own version. It's called a passion translation and the, this is the person that had a vision of Jesus and Jesus says, "Hey, you know, there's a secret 22nd chapter to the book of John. I'll give it to you later." Basically. It's like that's not Jesus. That's 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 a angel in disguise, a fallen angel, that's deception, that's something. That's not Jesus. There's no 22nd chapter to John. The book's closed. It's mm-hmm. done. The canon's fulfilled. We we have the word and of there's God. There's no Acts 29 either. There's no Acts 29. So, <laughs> so <it's, laughs> but um the what was it? I wanted to touch on something. You were saying something good. <laughs> Said a lot of Somewhere. good things. What was there. was it was it about experience? Um I don't know. What do you got? <laughs> <laughs> I just I was telling LJ I wanted to bring up the fact that in Psalms fifty one, uh David says, Do not take your Holy Spirit from mm-hmm. me. Yeah. Like that that was a uh, very eye opening for me. And it, it's funny because I read that chapter like countless times and it like never like that light bulb moment never happened until fairly recently. But uh to read that in the old testament that the Holy Spirit was there mm-hmm. moving in David and David being such a prominent character in the Bible. Yeah. Like there was like this disconnect between what my old doctrine and and that cuz i think we said it earlier in this in this episode that uh the holy spirit you know does like we used to believe the holy spirit doesn't come until till later there's like mm-hmm. a uh, it isn't until he's like the the third part of it yeah. he's the lesser one but to see that in the old testament that there was the the holy spirit was still active still moving still played a role yeah you know and i'm sure we could find I, that's the one that comes to mind the most but i'm sure there are other instances um in the old testament but that one just really stuck out on yeah. me and i don't know if we can expand on that a little bit i don't remember it was psalms 51 i don't remember the verse Verses 10 to 13, I guess. What was it, Psalm? 51, 10 to 13. Just for context, I I like doing a few verses before and after. Of course. (laughs) 10 and 13? 10 through 13? Yeah. Yeah, I'll, I'll go ahead and read it. Yeah. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and sustain me with a willing spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will be converted. To Uh, you. Yeah, to you. My bad. (laughs) Always read it. (laughs) Always read to the end. Um, No, sometimes I'll miss it when the last few words are on another page and I'll be like, that verse seems like it didn't end well. I was like, oh, there it is. (laughs) I hate when that happens when I'm highlighting a verse and the whole thing's there. I'm like, man, this is perfect in one one column. And then that one like last word where it says, and God. And I'm like, why did they do that? So I'll just, <laughs> I sometimes want to just write in God <laughs> and just keep it on one page, but it's that OCD. And yeah, you. it's not, it's not yeah. fair when it happens like that. Yeah. And another thing real quick side note right there is restore to me the joy of your salvation. It's not saying restore to me your, your salvation, salvation. Yeah. like if he lost it, but yeah. the joy of it, because there is this, this 
grieving this. Uh, we just feel horrible when we do sin against the living God, and the Holy Spirit convicts us of that. This is David uh, after he uh, sinned with uh, how do you Bathsheba? Bathsheba. Yeah. yeah. Well, that, that would, I would say that would probably be after he's in that place of repentance. Right after yeah. the prophet um, talks to him. Yeah. yeah. I don't know which one would have been first, but Psalm 32. Mm-hmm. Uh, verses 1 to, let's say, 5, says, How blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, yes. whose sin is covered. How blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not impute iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. When I kept silent about my sin, my body wasted away through my oh. groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My vitality was drained away as with the fever of heat of summer. Selah. I acknowledged my sin to you, and my iniquity I did not hide. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the guilt of my sin. Selah. Which I think is like a pause when they're... Yeah. I think because they were able to sing these psalms, I think that's like a musical pause, if I'm not mistaken. But David is saying, you know, when I held this in before I confessed it, it ripped me to pieces. Mm -hmm. So people think that, you know, David was living this lush, comfortable life while he he was in his sins. Like, no, no, he was a Christian. He was a, he was a saved believer through the the prequel to Christ's atonement, but the same faith, same faith of Abraham we have, same faith of the apostles we have. So David was saved and growing in sanctification and through error and through complacency he fell into sin and god warns us in the same way you will fall into sin and you can even end up crippling yourself if you don't watch out and pray and seek and be careful and avoid things you can be trapped in areas but your salvation is completely secure if you're a born again believer because you're not born by the will of the flesh by the strength of man or any of that you're born by his spirit it is his will uh, and his spirit is literally a, a a comforting him a presence who comes in and works in your heart and dwells with you and keeps you and protects you well if you look at 32 uh, just what we just read right yeah where are you at um well i, I was just gonna just talk oh, about, yeah, i was yeah. gonna read directly this type of uh um how can i say this type of result or or attitude or uh conviction or as i can say the way that he's acting that would really only go uh, would move or or that would that types of those types of actions i'm sorry i'm struggling to find the word those types of feelings or or affections or, affections or, or what he's what he's experiencing would only come from a true believer mm. because if you really have the holy spirit yes we fail we we sin we have our pride we have the things that we deal with we have our flesh only a true believer is going to feel conviction and I, I and I can I cannot remember the scripture where even David says that um, uh, he he had uh, pain like even in his bones, or there was like uh, and I don't know if it's sixty three of Psalms, but uh, he he even had a pain like in his bones because of of the sin that he had committed. There was a conviction. You can tell that he was a believer. Yeah. Now I know we talked about it just a, a little bit, right? Because we do see differences in the way that the Holy Spirit. Uh, moves in the believer from the Old Testament to the New Testament. Yeah. We obviously understand that. But either way, when you look at this, you see David, and he's groaning, and he's uh, he's weak, He's he cannot live in peace. That should be a sign for all of us that when we go through something, 
and we ask ourselves the questions, have I truly been filled with the Holy Spirit? That should be an indicator that if you sin and you feel that pain in your soul mm-hmm. and you feel that, uh, th- that you don't have peace, that you're losing uh, something, that you feel like that emptiness because, uh, because of your sin, that should give you an indication, not a prideful one, but an indication that you have been filled with the Spirit because why, why would a non-believer have any guilt of their sin? They're just going to say, YOLO, I'm good. Mm-hmm. You know, I experienced that. I did this. Uh, so what? You know, even if I hurt somebody, so what? But when you are a true believer, you feel the conviction of the Holy Ghost in your life, and it drains you until you confess your sin, until you uh, go to the Lord and you recognize your sin. What is the gospel about? Recognizing your sinful nature by the grace of God, recognizing your sinful nature and believing in Jesus Christ as your Savior, Savior, knowing that you cannot do anything of yourself to save yourself. That's the work of the Holy Ghost. And we see the work of the Holy Ghost in Psalm 51, in Psalm 32, and that should be an indicator. Um, uh, not to, not, I don't want to completely change what we're talking about here as far as his recognition, but as far as the Old Testament goes with, in regards to the Holy Spirit, right? What if we go to Psalm 60, 63? You sure? No. I mean, I'm sorry, Isaiah 63. I'm sorry. <laughs> my, my, my mind is stuck on Psalms, even though I'm in Isaiah. I was like, is that Je- Je- De- <laughs> Jehovah's Witness Bible? They messed it all up. It's all like... <laughs> so I'm sorry, Isaiah 63. 63. Isaiah 63. And if we start at verse 9, In all their affliction he was afflicted, and the angel of his presence saved them, in his love and in his mercy, he redeemed them, and he lifted them and carried them all the days of old. But they rebelled and grieved his Holy Spirit. Therefore, he turned himself to become their enemy. He fought against them. Then his people remembered the days of old of Moses. Where is, uh, where is he who brought them out of the sea with the shepherds of his flock? flock excuse me. Where is he who put his Holy Spirit in the midst of them, who caused his glorious arm to go at the right hand of Moses, who divided the waters before them to make for himself an everlasting name, who led them through the depths, like the horse in the wilderness, they did not stumble. As the cattle which go down into the valley, the Spirit of the Lord gave them rest. So you led your people to make for yourself a glorious name. This is the Old Testament. This is, God would always remind his people of where he took them out of. He was always Egypt, 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 the promise of Abraham. I took you, I'm the Lord, I'm the God that took you out of Egypt. And we see here clearly that God himself, who is speaking through Isaiah, is, is, is speaking boldly of a distinction of the Holy Spirit and how it was the Holy Spirit that moved and the Holy Spirit that led them. And the Holy Spirit, I mean, once you begin to understand the Scripture, how much more clear can we get? I sound like a broken record. But it's it and once again talking in verse 10, and grieved his Holy Spirit. Yeah. Uh actually I wanted to hit on the Holy Spirit sealing us. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. just, I just wanted to mention those verses because like that's one of the purposes for the Holy Spirit is it's gonna seal us for that great day and also uh touch on the fact that it sustains our salvation. I'll go to uh, 2 Corinthians 1, 21 and 22. Now he who establishes us with you in Christ and anointed us is God, 
who also sealed us and gave us the spirit in our hearts as a pledge. It's talking about sealing us and for our salvation, that guarantee that all those who believe um, and have come to faith, they have the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is what, what seals us for, for the day of our redemption when, when we are united uh, with Christ. And uh, in the MacArthur commentary, um, you know, he, uh, related to like how uh, back then like a king or somebody of a high authority would seal a message with the mm -hmm. wax and the stamp and the ring mm -hmm. and it, it's it's a great way to put it because where we grew up thinking that we can lose our salvation or somehow lose the the holy spirit um it, it would be like unsealing that and then resealing that and and that just doesn't doesn't make sense to me it's like when god does something he does it well and he does it completely he doesn't do things just halfway he he, he doesn't do things in an incomplete way he does everything perfectly so when he saves us and he gives us the holy spirit it's it's a complete work and we are waiting for for the day where he unseals it and we're with him in in heaven we're with him for eternity I, I wanted to mention that. We can stay in that same, mm -hmm. in Second Corinthians, uh, okay. if we go to chapter 5. And I'll start from verse 1. Mm -hmm. um, so first, uh, Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 1. For we know that if the earthly tent, which is our house, is torn down, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For indeed in this house we groan, longing to be clothed with our dwelling from heaven. Inasmuch as we, having put it on, will not be found naked. For indeed, while we are in this tent, we groan, being burdened, because we do not want to be unclothed, but to be clothed, so that what is mortal will be swallowed up by life. Now he who prepared us for this very purpose is God, who gave to us the Spirit as a pledge. Therefore, being always of good courage and knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord, for we walk by faith, not by sight. We are of good courage, I say, and prefer rather to be absent from the body and to be home with the Lord. So, I mean, if we understand um, our, our mortal, this body's going to die, the Lord has given us the Holy Spirit as a pledge yeah. for us to be with Him one day. I mean, if you're going back to what you were saying, that people say that they that the Holy Spirit can be taken away, or the misinterpretation of Psalm 51, or all these things about you know gifts and how there's so many misinterpretations there, this is uh, giving us a, a clear understanding that one day we're going to be with the Lord. We long to be with the Lord, and He has given us His Spirit as a pledge for so that we, one day we will be with Him. It's not just well, you know, like you were saying earlier. Oh, the Holy Spirit just helps me when I when I feel like I don't have enough strength to do it. So, Holy Spirit, come and help me because I need to do it now in Jesus' name. Yeah, you know, it's not it's not that. It's as you were reading before, we were sealed by the Holy Spirit, mm -hmm. just like you were saying. If somebody has a signet ring, you're sealed by it. It's official. It's by the King. Yeah, it's official. We are sealed with the Holy Spirit, all true believers, and they do not lose the Spirit of God. Yeah, the Spirit. Once the Holy Spirit comes in us. He stays and He abides in us. And because He abides in us and because we are His, when we go through things, we receive those convictions. Yeah. The, I, I'd say, 
I don't want it to be a bad example, but I'd say the moment that you don't feel convictions or you don't feel sorrowful for the sins or you don't feel that uh, as you are grieving the Spirit, that's an issue. Mm-hmm. I mean, that shouldn't happen in a true believer, right? right? But but that's why I don't want it to be a bad example, but that should be something we think about to use in, as an example in our lives, yeah. that when we sin, uh, there we have been sealed with the Holy Ghost. It wasn't given to us by what we did in the first place. Right. He dwells in us by the grace of God. He moves in our lives. He points us back to Christ, and we're able, through Christ, to understand the Father yeah. mm-hmm. who has not been seen. Yeah. And so now that we have the pledge, the, Sp- the Holy Spirit in us as a pledge, our hope through the Holy Spirit is to be in the presence of God one day. Yeah. And and I really love that because you see it all throughout the Bible. You yeah. see it all throughout Scripture. It's it's a promise, and it's like it's almost as if God is telling us or reminding us every time, like this is a promise. I'm going to keep this. If you are mine, you are going to be safe. Because yes. I mean, how many of us experience that where we're like, I know I do. I'm like, Lord. Am I saved? How could you save someone like me? And it's like you read these things and it it brings comfort. It brings joy. Like, God, you are amazing. Like, this is your doing. I can do nothing to affect this. And I can do nothing to get you, uh, get myself out of this. But, you know, by your grace and and you convict me and and I repent. And I'm grateful to be able to repent. We go to Ephesians 1, 13 through 14. It's just another example, just mm-hmm. reinforcing what, what you've been reading. It's, it's God saying it again. In him, you also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise, yep. who is given as a pledge of our inheritance with a view to the redemption of God's own possession to the praise of his glory. Like, that's Boom. just, yeah. You'd it, have to change scripture the way that some churches do. I know that oneness theology teaches this, and they'd have to change this to, to be in uh, in agreement with their own doctrine. They'd have to change this to verse 14 being, who is given as a pledge of our commitment mm-hmm. with the view of redemption of God's own possession to the praise of his glory. They'd have to change it saying, you know, the the down payment, that's what it is, the pledge, the down payment, the first fruits, the, just the, the first evidence of what's coming later. Just like in, in harvesting, the first fruits are literally some of the first things that sprout up, but it's not the whole crop. It's just a little bit showing like, hey, the crop's coming in. Look, like these four things came up, like the rest is coming soon. Yeah. That's what we are. We are the first fruits of the entire salvation of those that come to Christ eventually. We're, we're the first fruits of the resurrection. Amen. Like we're the first fruits. We're, we're, we're it. Like we are walking in the spirit now as believers. And one day... All the cumulative believers in the world that will come to saving faith before the day of judgment, they will all be as we are, and one day we will all be as Christ is when we're completely transformed into our new heavenly bodies. But we can, but, I'm sorry, we, yeah. we, if we can touch on that, eight, Romans 8, 23, um, and we could start from verse 22. So it's Romans 8 and verse 22. There it is. It says, for we know that the whole creation groans and suffers the pains of childbirth together until now. And not only this, but also we ourselves, having the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves, groan within ourselves, waiting eagerly for our adoption as sons, the redemption of our body. There you go. Exactly. 
Like we are the first fruits of what God is doing in us. But for anybody to say, you know, the Holy Spirit is just there to help you out. Don't mess it up. Don't lose it. It's like, this is, this is not what God is saying. God, God did not say that if we mess up, we lose it. He's actually saying this is his commitment. Um, Ephesians 1, 13, 14. It is having also believed you were sealed with him as with in him with the Holy Spirit of promise, verse 14, who is given as a pledge of our inheritance. It's given as God's pledge. We absolutely need to identify yes. who is making this promise. Go. It is yes. God's promise. It is God's uh, eternity. It is God's hand. It's his salvation. Salvation is from the Lord. It's of the Lord. It's entirely from him. He is the one that has the power to save. He saves by his righteous right hand. All things in scripture point to the fact that this pledge is not our pledge. It's not, mm-hmm. I promise to walk with you, God. That will come from the mouth of a person that has been convicted and is conforming to the image of Christ. They're able to make promises to God now. But that is not the promise we're talking about here. We're not talking about a finite, faulty, (laughs) human promise. This is God's promise saying, here's the down payment. Here's the taste of heaven you have now. Here's the bit. The rest is coming. That's why Jesus had to say, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come back to you. There's so many marital metaphors in the entire yes. salvation thing. We need to view what did the, what did that culture in that day and age, what did they do with marriage? Well, the person would come and meet the girl. He'd love the girl. He'd like the girl, whatever. There's no fornication permitted in Israel. So he would go to the father and say, hey, I want to be with your girl. I don't know if it was like one day after he met, like marriage was like so fast back in the day there. And for the right reasons, because they had the right principles, like, hey, marriage is for honoring God and, and, and procreating and bringing about the glory of God through teaching your children and leading them to a God-honoring way. Like, the whole culture will be benefited by that. Um, but you would meet them, and then you would give this this down payment, this... this 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 A dowry, right? This dowry. Yeah, you'd give it to the dad, saying, look, I'm not a bum. I can support. I'm not just living off, like, unemployment like i work so your daughter's not going to be given into a a house where there's no food and no provision and just some guy that doesn't want to work it's like i'm 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 a provider so please let me have your daughter and the father if he would receive it would basically say yes i'll protect her i won't give her to another man she's yours go build a house go do whatever you have to do to set your house in order so that she can be going into your home because children wouldn't stay in their parents house like now we got 30 40 year olds which in some cases just works but it really isn't what it was like in the past like you would move out and you'd start your own home and family almost immediately this is what christ is doing he's saying here's the down payment i will come back and i will prepare a place for you and I will come back and take you to be with me where I am. This is the marriage metaphor. Mm-hmm. I will come back. I will prepare a place. It doesn't mean he's actually putting up walls and making shelving. Like he's just preparing a place. And what in that time, basically, people are coming to Christ so they can all be rescued from this place that will one day be judged into heaven. That's the, that's the view here. Jesus said in many other areas. And here he's saying too, it's a pledge of your inheritance with a view like looking forward to or pointing to the redemption of God's own possession. One day God will fully, actively, evidentially, empirically redeem all people. You'll be able to evidence that. Like, hey, there it is. There's the redemption. God's coming on the clouds. However, it's going to happen. When we look at it in any other way, we give glory to ourselves. We give glory to ourselves for keeping it on our strength. We we give glory to ourselves and then we name it as if it's for God. Yeah. Like, God, I was faithful enough and that's why you kept me. 
God keeps you even when you're full of stupidness. God keeps you when you're an idiot. God keeps David when he committed the most atrocious crimes, and he committed like four of them in a row. Sinned against God, against heaven, against his kingdom, against the woman, against her husband, against his army. He sinned against so many people. Like, there's so much horrible sin that David committed in that period of time, and he was God's person still. Like, and I'm not saying that's never to encourage sin. That's why Paul was so explicit and so detailed in his Romans exposition yep. of the entirety of salvation. Romans he six. was pointing to the awesomeness, the freeness, the exclusivity, and yet the far-reaching aspects of salvation than the just because it's by grace through faith, just because it's the same as what Abraham had through faith, not through works, just because of that does not mean sin. By no means like, how dare you? Yeah. Don't even think that that's okay. Mm -hmm. Walk by the Spirit, not by the flesh. It's forever. You're saved forever. Nothing can separate you from Him. And here is now what it's like, chapter 12 on, to practically live. Like, therefore, chapters 1 to 11, therefore, 12 to 15, 12 yeah. to 16. Now, here's what it looks like to live. So, Romans 12 to 16 talks about practically living out your salvation because of the great, wonderful, eternal promises of God through faith in Christ. But people look at it in so many different ways. They're like, oh, look, at, I got to do this or I lose that. It's like, did you read the first few chapters? Like, mm -hmm. did you read the part that said you can't lose this? It's his, it's his grip, it's everything. So when we look at scripture like this, we have to understand, who are they talking about? Who's making these promises? Does God break his promises? Never. Is God waiting for you to be good enough? When were you ever good enough? Mm -hmm. Like, are we actually seeking to mimic and to successfully imitate the righteousness of Christ with perfection? No, we can't. That's why Paul, through all of his efforts, still said, I'm here to aim for the righteousness of Christ. I want to grab a hold of his righteousness. Like, I want to, I just want his righteousness to pour through me. And I, he's the one that I'm depending on, not my own righteousness. It's his through faith. So his death pays our price, and Christ's entire life, uh, perfectly righteous, succeeds in accomplishing a perfect righteous verdict. Mm -hmm. So when God looks at us through Christ, technically, he sees the righteous fulfillment of the law and the penalty paid. We are entirely saved. The death part that needed to be there is there. The successful fulfillment of righteousness is there. We are saved all the way. Not, okay, now you got to be a little bit good. But I'm not good. No, not one. Like, I'm a sinner. How good do I have to be, like, to get something? Goodness should come out of a gratitude, not out of trying to get or keep something. So the entirety of salvation is, is just put underwater. I think you can finish right. with a scripture that I've been wanting to read from the beginning. <laughs> nice. Titus it, 3, it. verse 3. We'll start from there. Titus to, till when? Um, let's just do the whole chapter. Let's, let's, let's do all the way up to 11. So Titus 3, starting at verse 3, says, For we also once were foolish ourselves, disobedient, deceived, enslaved to various lusts and pleasures, spending our life in malice and envy, hateful, hating one another. But when the kindness of God our Savior and his love for mankind appeared, he saved us, not on the basis of deeds which we have done in righteousness, but according to his mercy by the washing of regeneration and renewing by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out upon us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that being justified by his grace, we would be made heirs according to the hope of, the eternal, of eternal life. 
This is a trustworthy statement. And concerning these things, I want you to, to speak confidently so that those who have believed God will be careful to engage in good deeds. These things are good and profitable for them. But avoid foolish controversies and genealogies and strife and disputes about the law, for they are unprofitable and worthless. Reject a, fac a, a factious man after a first and second warning, knowing that such a man is perverted and is sinning, being self-condemned. That's a perfect just summarization yeah. of everything. Not by our deeds. Yeah. yeah. Not, not on the basis of deeds which we have done in righteousness. Yeah. And he, it's like, please, people, read the Bible. Seriously, if you don't read the yeah. Bible and you don't understand this about yourself, you're actually going to try to wait for the pastor's approval. And I've done that. I know what it means to think that his approval means God's approval immediately. But, but his approval can come or not come, and I might already have the approval of God. I mean, I, I remember when I first came to Saving Faith, I, I don't know, I was walking with grocery bags. At night, I was listening to instrumental beats because that's uh, I would just pray to God in, in, in that way. That's why like rapping is so natural for me. I just, to a rhythm, I just talk to God. And that was like maybe a month, maybe a month and a half after I first heard this, the, the gospel. Mm -hmm. And I got a Bible, started reading it. People told me, get a Bible, start reading, keep going to church. Best advice I ever got in my life. But that was it. There was no like... All the commands came later, all the, 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 I'd say the erroneous, at least, commands came later saying, now here's what he also have to do. It's like, no, no, no. I, I said, I heard the gospel, something struck, I, I fell on the ground, I felt the power of God, I didn't know what was happening, all I know is something just took place and I needed to know, is who is this that just did this to my heart and mind in yeah. some way? And they're like, well, that's God. And I was like, well, what do I do? It's like, get a Bible, start reading and keep coming to church. Best advice ever. And I did. I, I ate up the Bible, and prayer began taking place, and bad words started changing. And I confessed Christ on my walk back in one of those moments when I was listening to the to the beats and just praying to God. And as I confessed, I felt like that same power brought me back down on my knees in the middle of that confession, saying, "Lord, I'm yours." I remember saying something along the lines of, "Take over, like I'm your servant, Lord Jesus Christ. I yeah. I, I will serve you with all I have. I, I'm yours. I believe. I trust you." And I felt. Like I even, I remember I, I came to my, my, my almost mother-in-law cause I never married my ex, but I came to her and I was like, I feel like I just got baptized. And, and she kind of like, wasn't sure what to take of it because I was such a mess before that. But she was like, like, what do you mean? I'm like, and I explained like, I, 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 I surrendered and I feel like I just got covered and, and like a confidence came over me of, of, of a relationship, like an approval between me and yeah. God. And then all these changes began so rapidly taking place. My dress style changed, my attitude, the words I began using, the stuff I watch on TV, it all started changing so quickly. Um, so that that came by faith. And it was a wonderful thing to take place. But if somebody would have told me afterwards, like, hey, like uh, you're, you're not saved yet until this and that, that would have that would have constricted me into a legalism that isn't in the Bible. Yeah. And I was under that. I mean, I know what the, I know what it means to be told like, yeah, all these changes. Yeah. You're walking it. Yeah. We're, we're supporting, we're praying for you at the altar, but you still got to get the water or else you're going to hell. I mean, I know what that means. Yeah. That ruins your Christianity or that points you in the direction of legalism and strictness. That isn't what the Bible is, is giving. Yeah. It's not saying don't get baptized. That's never what we're saying. We're not saying don't get baptized. We're not saying don't obey God. We're not saying that. We're saying your obedience 
does not give you credit for heaven. Your, your baptism does not earn you a place in heaven. It is coming from a place where you are obeying God. If you don't believe God savingly, your obedience doesn't matter. But if you obey God savingly, it shows, it evidences that you are yeah. justified. You are justified on the eyes of mankind, as James says. You are justified by works. You are seen and recognized and showing manifestly that you are justified. Mm-hmm. Look, you're, walk, you're walking with God. I can see you as a human. But just as Paul says in Romans, you're not justified by works. You're not in the eyes of God justified by works. But as James says, in the eyes of man, you are justified by works. Exactly. It has to be that balance because James is not teaching about how God views people. He's teaching about all the hypocrisy about how people view people. You think this person's good, this person's bad, this person's rich, this person's poor. You guys are all like messed up. Like you're not justified by that kind of works in the eyes of people. And then Paul's talking about everything salvation from God's side. Yes. We have to view this because if we view it right, you'll see that, man, this walk with Christ is a wonderful blessing. It's an incredible weight on our conscience and heart, but it's also an incredible yoke that Christ carries and, and he leads us through it. And the Holy Spirit, he is the Spirit of God, the Spirit of Christ. He is the, the Spirit of holiness. We have him and we are called holy because of him, not mm-hmm. because of all the good things we do. I just, um, I see so much damage taking place when people don't understand yeah. that. Yeah. And, and that damage actually affects the lives of people that I care about and love. And we see it. We see the outworkings of that. People really try to wield the Holy Spirit. And that's, now I'm more mad at that than ever before. Before I used to try it. Like, yeah. try to get the reaction when you say it just right in a sermon. Mm-hmm shame on me me. in my ignorance but goodness now it's like i don't care if you smile or smirk if i'm faithfully giving this and my heart is in it for you and i want you to be saved then i look forward to whatever god's going to do with you and i'm going to reach out and extend my my words to as many people as possible but when people come up it's like i have so much confidence that i'm able to show them where in scripture they can go so they can learn understand the word of god and how to put their faith and obey so Final words? No, I I think um, you know uh, as you kind of said at the end. How are we able to obey the Lord? How are we able to um, to to do the good works? Just as uh, uh, we are not saved by by works, we're saved by grace through faith. Um, but we do the works that God has prepared beforehand, right? Ephesians mm-hmm. two and eight. Uh, that's by. not. That's ten. 10, Ephesians yes, 10. Ephesians 2, 6 to 10, or 8 to 10, excuse me. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I can read it. Yeah. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand, so that we would walk in them. And as I stated earlier, um, you know, I really like that uh, example that the uh, Wayne Grudem's um, systematic <clears throat> book uh, stated how uh, the Father uh, manifested his presence in his glory in Theophanies. Jesus manifested his presence, the presence of God among men in the Gospels, and the Holy Spirit is now the primary manifestation of the presence of the Trinity among us in the church age. And the reason why I, this came to my mind was because the only way that we're able to obey the Lord, do the good works that he has pre- that the Lord has prepared for us beforehand is through the Holy Ghost, and without the true understanding of the Holy Spirit, 
we take everything out of context. Mm-hmm. We have a low view of the Holy Spirit, and we do works for the wrong reason, and we do the wrong works, as I would say, without the understanding of the scriptural knowledge of the Holy Ghost. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I mean, everything that we've talked about really made me realize how low of a view of the Holy Spirit I had, and many people still do. Um, when you understand the Spirit, the Holy Spirit is not an it, it's a who that is active, that has always been, that has always been active since the beginning uh, up until now. Um, you, you realize just how much you are enabled to do anything with him because of, without the Holy Spirit, I don't, we wouldn't be able to yeah. be here talking about what we're talking about. Without the Holy Spirit helping us and guiding us, I, I could never stand in front of anybody and tell them about Christ. I, I, I used to say I would rather just sit down at a at a service or as, at a sermon. I'll sit in the back. I'll listen to the to the uh, the sermon. I'll go home and go about my day. But I, I can no longer do that. Like there there is, and it isn't from me. It really isn't. It, it there's the Holy Spirit guiding me, tugging me. Uh, as I read Scripture, it, the the light bulbs go off in my head, and that's not something that I I do. That's that's all enabled by the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. that I do not control, that I do not command, but rather it commands me. It leads me. It pulls me. Yeah. It controls me, and I'm glad. I gladly follow, and I'm grateful for for such a thing. Um. So yeah, understand, read, yeah. read scripture, read it for what it is. Don't try to filter it. If if you have questions about what you have been taught, like reach out to us and yeah. and there's so many resources that you could read, but I think most of all, read the Bible plainly. Look at what it actually says. Yeah. Like like forget what you you are being taught if, if you have questions but read what it says we read it clearly it's a he uh the jesus jesus talks to the father the father talks to to jesus the jesus se- or the jesus <laughs> the father sends the holy spirit like there's these three uh persons that are one god and it's written out beautifully in scripture that we cannot fully grasp and understand but it is there yeah yeah it's interesting because I think people make it seem like they should be able to fully grasp this incredible, holy, sovereign, just other, otherness, just high and beyond us God who literally in the beginning spoke yeah. and the whole universe that, as we know it came into being. Yeah. And we only know a small little tiny minuscule part of it. We make it seem like we get that. But we don't get how God can exist in a, in a three-person unity. It's like, yeah. what do you mean? I don't get how anyone can speak and create out of nothing anything. Mm-hmm. But we make it seem like that's easy to get, but can't get the threeness of God. It's like, no, no. All of God is impossible to fully understand. And that's why he has to condescend in so many ways to us. If we would understand that the Holy Spirit truly is everywhere, although his his favors on those things that pertain to and honor him, then we can understand that it's not about being holy because you go to church on Sunday. It's not about that. I mean, Romans 14 talks about one day is not more important if the other person considers them all like they do it for God's glory. It doesn't matter. If someone thinks that, you know, this day is more important, it's like, let them. Yeah. If someone thinks this day isn't, it's like, let them. If they honor God with that, then they honor God. Um, it, what is it? Psalm 139 talks about, you know, where can I go from your spirit? Heaven, hell, they're here. 
where am I going to hide from you? Mm-hmm. So if people think that they have to behave a certain way because they're in a certain place, it's like, that's not, that's not it. You can't bring the Holy Spirit into your church. You can honor the fact that Christ is there and either honored or dishonored by your use or misuse of scripture. Yeah. So use it honorably. And then you might recognize some of the convictions God gives by his Holy Spirit to you because the word is being honored or some of the lack of conviction because you guys are fooling around in church. Like whatever's going on, we can't look at it like, oh, God is more here than there. It's like, no, he, he favors more this thing or that moment or whatever. He doesn't favor a strip club. He hates strip clubs. That's disgusting. It's, it's sin in every way. It destroys the lives of people. It dishonors God and his creation. But if someone would, for some reason, find a Bible or end up, I don't know, Preachers need to stay away from there, too. There's people that try to, like, minister in the wrong places. It's like they usually get caught up in adultery and stuff. I heard about somebody that tried to do ministry to, in Thailand, he had a personal ministry. He was a man, and his wife was at home in the country. And he was in Taiwan or something trying to do a ministry to prostitutes, ended up committing adultery because he was there alone with women. What's wrong with him? Yeah. Stupid. I don't even know if he was a Christian, but I know one thing. He put himself in a stupid position, dishonor his family, dishonor himself, dishonor his God, because now he's putting ministry as if that's right. Like, everything he did was wrong about that. Mm-hmm. So I, I think, like, some people say, oh, I'm going to go, and there's like, please stay, stay away from blatant yeah. immorality. Run from it, especially sexual immorality. Flee from it like Joseph. Um, but if for some reason a Bible or something might end up there, I'm sure God's Spirit can move and, yeah. and, and do something, convict that person. I mean... It can happen in many ways. Yeah. So we, we can't look at it as like, you know, God is here now because of this and this just go uh, this way, this song. This It's like this preacher came in, the spirit's here. It's like, really? <laughs> Whoa, I'm so glad we depend on that human, finite, faulty human being. Like, let's let's degrade God even further. Like, no, no, the, the preacher doesn't bring the spirit. But if he brings the word faithfully, you will have the conviction of the spirit because you're growing and learning. But even yeah. if he doesn't, you can still by reading the scripture, come to convictions by the Holy Spirit. So um, we just need to re, re-raise where the Holy Spirit is, who he is, yeah. his position, his authority, his power, his sovereignty, his independence from us. Yeah. Like we need to just put him back because we keep putting him in a little pocket and kind of try and take him out when we need something to happen. It's like you're just dishonoring the perspective on who God is. Um, but that's taught from the pulpit, and that's the problem. When people in authority teach wrong, people with ignorance that don't check them because they think that they need to believe them without question, they follow them. And entire lives are just pointed by that. So we want people to open the Bible and read for themselves. The whole thing. Yeah. Like take a single book out of the Bible, read it. Yeah. Just one book at a time. There's 66 of them. It shouldn't take long. So, all right. I think the next one's going to be the modalism though yeah the one is yeah trinity yeah kind of going at it that's going to be interesting yeah Yeah. so we're going to do that that's going to be the next episode uh but we hope that this was insightful and i know there's people that handle it differently they go into different areas of doctrine explaining but uh we did it we did it our way we did it from our own experience from our own testimony our own previous background and also with what we've learned about God through his word using the helps of uh, other theologians that came before us using the helps of traditional uh, historic Christianity Um, and we want this to be a blessing 
we want this to be something that people can benefit from. So uh, thank you so much and join us next time on Milk and Meat Podcast. God bless. Because I'll be worried about your soul. Why you still be doubting you got a soul? Like you need to see to believe these things, but you believe things that you've never seen. The feelings and hopes and dreams, the future emotions and gravity. And sadly.